Well, hello, and welcome in to the Get Around After Dark. I am your host, Jay Gadnett, and in the studio with me is James Cook. Brett Summers will be joining us via telephone to give us an update on the two games that he has been at over the last couple of days, but he is not in the studio due to a couple week-long paternity leave, and it's been a bit different without him around. So, we're definitely, we're, we're looking for Brett to come back. Been a little busy. Yeah, that's 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 what we're that's what we're talking about. As we get into the first week of the football season, everybody has a lot of hype surrounding their teams, their programs, and of course, just these first week games is really how you get the gauge of what the season is going to be like. And we do have plenty to talk about tonight. But to get started off with James, I know you just spent most of the night out in the rain. Managed to avoid a cold, or I yeah, I don't think I'm going to get a cold or anything like that. No. A little chilly out there. It was just it was raining. I could drizzle through like the entire first game, the Sutton's Bay Bear Lake game, and then it kind of led up towards the end of that game, just about the time that Forest Area Brethren started. It started raining again. Not heavy, but, you know, enough. It's enough to annoy you, I'm sure. Yeah. So, I mean, especially you're out there on a doubleheader, it's, it's no fun to stay in the rain for six straight hours. First half of the Sutton's Bay game, it was hard to write stuff down. Like, it, it was that much rain. Your paper would get wet before you could write anything down on it. And then it was just this sloppy mess. Oh, that's all you need is just like the the running ink coming down. You'll never know who gets what, but mm -hmm. some of the teams that did play on Friday night had a little bit of trouble with the weather, which we will talk to Brett Summers about. And he definitely told me that this was one of the sloppiest football games that he ever saw. Um, but we're gonna get into that. Weather withstanding, everybody has been pretty excited to get the football season started. We're going to go over to Brett and talk about his two games this week. And as we jump into the week in football, Brett went out to a couple games this week. On Thursday, he traveled all the way out to Glen Lake to see them play New Lothrop and also went out to Elk Rapids to see them play Charlevoix on Friday. So what did you see from those games this week, Brett, that really impressed you or really kind of disappointed? Well, on Thursday, you know, going up to Glen Lake, I guess I was surprised. You know, I wasn't expecting what I got, which was a 48 nothing halftime score. New Lothar pretty well handling Glen Lake. You know, there was just a lot of mistakes. The Lakers had four turnovers in the first half. They really didn't have any kind of answer for a very athletic and speedy New Lothrop team. It just it show it showed in all phases of the game. You know, forty eight nothing at halftime. It, it finished up forty eight sixteen. The one positive for Glen Lake was was getting those last two touchdowns and at least getting something to cheer about. You could see it when they scored those. You know, in the second half, that it at least kind of lifted a weight off of them just with how poorly everything went in the first half. You know, I think. Well, Jake, you were the one who, in your bold predictions in our last podcast, you predicted that Glen Lake wouldn't make the playoffs. And, you know, I'm not going to go that far yet at this point because we're only one game into the season and uh, they played a very good New Lothrop team. You know, I think they've basically averaged one loss per season for the last decade or so. <laughs> so, you know, there's there still could be a lot of improvement for a young Glen Lake team as the season goes. But there is no doubt that, you know, with the seniors they've lost from last year, the obvious one being quarterback Cade Peterson, uh, the leader of that team, that, you know, they've got 
some things that they have to figure out. They're going to have to simplify a few things, which Coach Jerry Angers talked about after the game. He tried to shoulder a lot of the blame for the big loss and you know, said he didn't have his kids ready to play. And that next week against St. Francis, another very good team who they'll also play at home, that it'll be a little bit more vanilla next week in hopes that the guys are better prepared and have a better grasp of what they're being asked to do. But as I was saying, it just, I guess I wasn't expect, I was not expecting 48 nothing at halftime, and that's. That's what I got. I'm not. I'm not quite sure that anybody would have expected that out of that Glen Lake team, but they obviously have to go through some growing pains. And these first couple games of the season, I think, will give them plenty of lumps in order to kind of push them past uh, what they need to do. Yeah, hopefully they figure it out sooner rather than later. You know, we know the regular season's only nine games long, and to start out 0-2 or 0-3, that's a that's a hole that's pretty tough for any team to climb out of. Uh, so we'll see what kind of offering they have next week against St. Francis. So what did you see from the game that you went to on Friday night with Elk Rapids and Charlevoix? I know it was a wet one out there. Plenty of drop balls is what you have told me, but what did you see out of these two teams and what did you take from that game? Well, I think it was a lot more of what I didn't get to see. Elk Rapids is kind of a, a spread them out team. They like to work from the shotgun. They like to throw the ball around in the field. And Friday night's conditions kind of made that pretty difficult for them. They did find a little bit of success running the ball, and you know they worked some shorter passing in to help supplement the ground game a little bit. But it, it was not their typical offensive display. And Charlevoix, just unfortunately for them, it looked like they had never played in the rain before in their lives because I, I don't have an official tally on what the number of fumbles were in the game. It was well into the double digits. If you combine the two teams, Charlevoix may have been in double digits on their own, and that's just including, you know, dropped snaps, botched handoffs, you know, really simple things that, yeah, it's raining, but you wouldn't necessarily expect those kinds of problems. And I spoke to uh, head coach Kenny Provost after the game, and he said going in, you know, Charlevoix actually was feeling pretty good about the conditions because they felt like being a team that ran a lot of its offense from under center, the ball control would be better and that maybe the weather would actually be an advantage for them that Elk Rapids would have a harder time handling the ball and especially since they like to throw and that just ended up not being the case whatsoever. Elk Rapids got up 21 nothing. It was 14 nothing at halftime. 21 nothing later in the game before Charlevoix finally got on the board uh, with a quarterback sneak from Cole Wright. But, you know, Elk Rapids just kind of, they got it out of win. As, as their head coach, Keith Schulte, said, it, it was not necessarily a pretty game, but it was the it was week one. And, uh, you know, you can learn a lot between week one and two. And, and they got the W, and that was all that mattered. You know, they, they did enough things right to earn the win. One of those was, you know, the play of, Elks defense just in terms of getting pinned deep several times and having to basically defend the end zone to be getting a possession. Charlevoix had had possessions start at uh, Elk Rapids 12, 20, and 27 yard lines and they didn't score on any of those so that's a, a big credit to Elk Rapids defense even if Charlevoix was having a hard time handling the ball in, in the weather. And then, you know, the, the couple of big plays that Elk Rapids had, they, Alex Viegas took the opening kickoff 90 yards for a touchdown. 
So that obviously was a jolt. That was that was probably the prettiest play of the game, uh, not to be matched the rest of the way. It did rain start to finish? Uh, never it never stopped, but it did probably get a little heavier as the game went on. And then uh, El Crapper's other two touchdowns both came on the same exact play. They they ran a little bubble screen out on the left side of the formation to Marlon Starkey. And uh, the first one he took 29 yards for a score, and the next one he took for 11. Good blocking from the linemen getting down on those screen passes and, and his fellow wide receivers. You know, that was that was all it took for, for Elk Rapids to, to secure that one uh, just because of how many problems the Raiders were having holding on to the football. Yeah, and I know I talked to Coach Provost for the preview on Charlevoix, and they had added some new elements into their offense and kind of stepped away from the veer that they were used to over the last couple of years, so that might have played into a few jitters in the first game as well. Now, I do want to take a second to thank Brett for calling in for this podcast. He has been taking time out of his paternity leave to help us out on the sports desk and get the football season rolling with everybody up here in northern Michigan. For those of you who did not, did not know, Brett and his lovely wife, Callan, welcomed a beautiful baby boy just over two weeks ago, or two weeks to the day, Vincent Jameson Summers. So congratulations once again, and thank you for stepping out of your time to help us out on the football season. Hey, thanks. Thanks a lot for that, Jake. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to getting back, although I've got a little bit more help through the transition for the family, but it's good to get out there the last two nights and look forward to next week. All righty. Thank you very much, Brett. And after those rainy games on Friday night, James, you were out for a couple of your own, some eight-player football. You were down in Brethren for the Suttons Bay and Bear Lake game at the 5 o'clock mark. Brethren and Forest Area kicked off. What did you take from those games, both impressive or kind of disappointing, that you saw this week? Yeah, it was interesting. I, I, I wanted to take advantage of the doubleheader just to be able to see four teams in one night. Forest Area coach Brian Mummy had told me that the game was scheduled for 7 o'clock. The second game was scheduled for 7 o'clock, but he thought there was no way that it was going to get started anyway before 7.30. And even with the running clock in the Suttons Bay game, the whole second half, they still barely started at 7.30. It was a, it was a rainy night. I mean, there was uh, there was some, some sloppy play here or there. I mean, you know, some fumbles. It doesn't sound like as many as in that Elk Rapids-Charlevoix game. I expected Bear Lake to maybe have some struggles in this game and Suttons Bay would probably come out and win. Um, I didn't expect it to be that dominating of a win by Sutton's Bay, uh, 62 to nothing, and it was just an incredible, uh, I mean, they came out, they forced three three and outs by Brethren, turned each one of them into a short field touchdown, and led, I believe it was uh, 22 to nothing by the end of the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, and then it was pretty much just game over. Yeah, and I mean, in the rain, that's already a hard three touchdown comeback to make. Well, four score, really. And once you get put down in that first season of the game, I mean, how did you see Bear Lake respond to being down, you know, what was it, 44 points at halftime? Yeah, I mean, they, they, you know, they never gave up or anything. You know, they kept battling right in the game and everything. As Coach John Proke said, you know, we, we started the game with 19, and as long as we still have 19 on Monday, you know, I'm happy. I know it's a numbers game at Bear Lake. I know they have under under 100 kids enrolled at that school, so it's definitely trying to keep the program up and running. Uh, injuries obviously play a big role, and you know we didn't see any big injuries come out of the bad weather in the first week, but there's definitely some caution that had to have been taken. Now that second game that you saw down at Brethren uh, when Brethren took on Forest Area, I know Forest Area had a bit of a comeback spree to come. So you want to tell the people about that? Yeah, Forest Area was down 18 and nothing after the first quarter, kind of the opposite of Brethren. But Forest Area just stuck to their game plan. Their game plan was just to pound it in between the 
you know, in between the guards in, in eight-man football instead of in between the tackles. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. Brethren's strength is their defensive line. And they just said, we're going to go right at it and went after the three biggest players on the field. And were able to, you know, just pound and get three, four, five yards of carry. And they rotated three backs in. As the game went on, Brethren kind of wore down because they only had 11 players total mm-hmm. and two of them got hurt just before halftime so they were down to nine players including their biggest player i remember you mentioned yeah. in the preview yeah anthony bakaria um you know six foot seven 320 pounds i think he's the biggest player i have seen out of all the schools that i've been to i know he even he the would, city schools yeah i mean he would be the biggest player that i have seen i, I haven't seen any relative size even near that this season yeah and uh you know he, he went down with a knee injury uh in the late second quarter, and then uh, starting running back and linebacker Gavin Aziala went down with an injury. Um, it looks like both of those guys, I think, should be back next week, so they'll have their full complement. They have a junior varsity team, so if they needed to, they could probably pull a player or two up to varsity for next week. Forest Area just kept with their kept with their game plan. They just kept pounding it and pounding it. You know, and I asked Brian Mumby, I was like, when you were down 18 nothing, did you consider scrapping that and just starting to air the ball out and he's like nope we are what we are and that's what we're going to do and uh you know i think a lot of coaches in that situation would be tempted to just start chucking it around a bit they just kept pounding the ball kept pounding it and then finally eventually just kept on uh you know scoring touchdowns and and cutting into that lead and then took the lead in the third quarter now we are going to hop into the game that i attended yesterday down at thoroughby field the first game at thoroughby this season and it was, you know, filled up pretty nicely. TC West was ready to kind of make a statement in that first game. And they've played Midland the last few years, and they kind of beat up on them. And it wasn't the same story this year. When I talked to Coach Greg Vaughn after the game, he said, you know, their guys have been in a lot of close games, even referencing a lot of the games that they've been in with Traverse City Central over the last year or two, and said that, you know, having this start happen at the beginning of the season does kind of bode well for them going forward because... If they can get used to it, it's good for them to get used to close games because that's really where the pressure cooker happens. And, you know, last season, TC West averaged right around, I believe it was like 32 or 34 points a game, which obviously trended down a little bit. But their offense just wasn't quite where Vaughn wanted it to be just yet. They did add in plenty of new plays, and they have a stable of running backs. They really weren't sure who they were going to stick with yet. And, you know, Vaughn told me, it doesn't mean one or two or three guys. It might mean five or six or seven guys. And you did see that in the first game. There was quite a few guys who took the majority of the snaps, but you could see that they had three or four guys who could step in for any one of their three running backs, you know, in that power three-back formation, and they would be able to do their job. When I spoke with Aiden Griggs, uh, the, the kind of the star of the day in the backfield, he broke off a 78-yard touchdown run in the third quarter to put... Traverse City West up for good and he told me that you know with the way that the team has gelled with the new coach it it's taken a little bit of time to get the offense under wraps but they feel like what they did yesterday really showed them that they have the potential to score and move the ball down the field at a very regular pace. Uh, The big thing that I saw out of Traverse City West yesterday though was their defense. They were really just stalwart and they really wouldn't let them go past the second level and the biggest thing about them was their team tackling i saw five six seven titans to the ball on every single play and that was one of the things they needed to do with 
Carter Grove from Midland. He's a big running back. He's 6'3", over 200 pounds, and he was trying to truck through some guys, but if he had three or four guys on his back, the Titans weren't letting him go anywhere. But the Titans ended up eking out a 17-15 to 15 victory after Midland came down. I think it was about five minutes left, and they attempted a two-point conversion to tie the game. Called the timeout to kind of figure themselves out, but I think it gave Coach Jason Morrow and the Titans defense a better chance to kind of settle in and make a, make a decision on how to stop that two-point conversion, and they did a very stellar job of doing that. And, and West had to make a little bit of an adjustment on the offensive line, I think, this week, too. They had one of their linemen get hurt in practice, and they had to use, uh, had to use somebody else, so that might have uh, affected things a little bit, too. Well, yeah, and Vaughn did tell me that was one of the things that they had to work on is that they do have very young guys on the line right now who blatantly missed assignments, and that's what he said. He said a lot of the times when we were getting caught in the backfield, those guys missing assignments, there's things that weren't going right, so... The quote that he gave me is, the biggest room is room for improvement, and I'm sure Traverse City West is happy with getting a W under their belt while they're still able to improve. Well, since it is the get around after dark, I would like to mention my favorite sub from Jimmy John's, the number nine Italian nightclub. Make sure you get a cut in half with a little bit of extra sauce. Tell them it's Jake's way. And you'll appreciate it. Jimmy John's. Freaky fast. Freaky good. So that is going to do it for the games that the get around guys have attended this week, but we do have plenty of more games to update you on throughout the area this week. There were a few surprises that happened during week one, and the first one that I do want to bring up is the defending eight-player state champions, Central Lake, falling to Onaway. And I know you had a chance to talk to some of the Central Lake players over the last couple weeks, and, I mean, was this a shock to them? Is this what they expected, you know, that first game after a 13-year-old season? I, I wouldn't think so. I mean, Onaway has been a competitive team over the last few years, but not necessarily a great team. You know, maybe Central Lake had, uh, I, don't, I don't think they got into big heads, because when I talked to players, uh, you know, they just really didn't seem to, to have that. They kind of were trying to take things one game at a time still and all that. But, uh, you know, I think this will certainly bring them down to earth even even so. You know, I would I would expect to see them bounce back, but, you know, it's it certainly is one of the surprising games uh, this week. I mean, along with, you know, Mancelona beating Gaylord St. Mary, that hasn't happened for quite a long time. You know, you've got Kingsley beating McBain was not was a game that I don't think a lot of people would have predicted. Yeah, everybody was still a little, road. yeah, everybody was a little still shaky. You know, even Wur himself was not really expecting that much out of, the, you know, out of Kingsley and with the participation they had over the summer, they had that, you know, that kind of had to bring them together during week one. Yeah, and, and you know, and it was on the road, it was in McBain. McBain's usually a pretty tough team and has kind of had Kingsley's number in the last few years too. Another big game that happened this week was on Thursday when Benzie Central came back from a 21-8 to deficit to beat Chesening 22-21. to They were down... Um, those two scores with only four minutes and five seconds left in the third quarter, and they won their you know first home opener since 2011. Is there anything that surprised you about that game? Yeah, well, they got some they got some help from some some new guys there in that comeback. I mean, Saunders Stoltz, who's a the guy they got from the track team, he's a sprinter from the track team, um, busted off a 46-yard kick return uh, after after Chesney had gone up 21 to eight, and then four plays four plays later, the Joe Wade ran a 25. Yard touchdown run in, and then also ran in the conversion, pull him within five, get the ball back, go on a 79-yard drive. Wade throws out a touchdown to uh, Paul Stepanovich, and uh, they take the lead by, by one there. And then uh, with a minute 43 to go in the game, they blocked a field goal by Chesting as well to preserve the victory. Another game from this week was Manton toppling Johannesburg-Lewiston. They came back in the fourth quarter to win 29-22, to and Jacob Hahn, their quarterback, threw for two touchdowns and 205 yards on the day. 
They beat Johannesburg Lewiston for three years in a row now, and that's the longest streak that either school has had against the other in their 10-game history. One game that happened on Friday was the Frankfurt versus Newberry game. It was a little sloppy according to Coach Stapleton out at Frankfurt, but he was pleased with his guys' determination in the second half. The score was 18-14 to going into the second half, and he told me that the Panthers really held down Newberry on offense in that second half, and they were unable to get anything going. And just holding them down in the rain like that was enough to get the victory and head out to Harbor Springs next week. Another game that was a bit surprising was the Boynton City Ramblers took a pretty big fall to Essexville Garber, 45-12 to in the opening game this year. I believe they were 9-2 last season, and they did lose quite a bit, but was that a, su- a surprising loss to you, James? It's surprising that it was just that it was that big, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think that... They were maybe due for a little bit of regression this year, at least at the beginning of the season, with how many how many guys they had to replace. Um, you know, they had uh, you know Ethan Hills back at quarterback and a few other guys here and there, but really not a whole lot of starting experience back on that team. So, so some struggles early is maybe what I expected, but uh, I, you know I didn't expect that big of a of a margin in this first game. Now that is going to do it for our little roundup for week number one. There is a couple more things that we would like to cover, including our sponsorship with Jimmy John's. If you'd like to get a freaky fast, freaky good sub, call them and it'll be on your doorstep before you know it. Yeah, and uh, catch us on the uh, the regular Get Around podcast, which will uh, be out next Tuesday. Um, I believe that we're going to have some Jimmy John's subs to give away. Also, did want to point you guys towards our new sports newsletter. Um, It will be coming out on Saturday morning, so make sure you keep an eye out for that. That is also sponsored by Jimmy John's. We'll be doing a roundup of our biggest games on Friday nights and some of the other stories from around the northern Michigan sports area. But before we go, James and I, while we're here in the studio, would like to make one pick for you guys next week. We are going to start with James. What matchup next week do you find to be the most intriguing or, you know, really the be- the, the biggest, most important matchup that's going to go on? be the one that I'm going to, ironically. Or coincidentally, I should say, maybe. Traverse City St. Francis at Glen Lake. And, uh, I mean, this is going to be a, a big test. I mean, uh, you know, Jerry Andrews said, you know, that, the, that it's not necessarily a rivalry if you don't win a whole lot, and Golden Lake hasn't necessarily won a whole lot against St. Francis recently. Um, and, and if, and if Glen Lake starts the season 0-2, you know, that also is, is not good. And, like I said, there's going to be some growing pains for Glen Lake in these first couple games, and... I guess if, if you're going to take some lumps, it better be from the good guys. Yeah, I still, I still think that Glen Lake will be a, a pretty good team this year. And the matchup that I find most intriguing for next week will put us back into the eight-player football realm when Onekama and Central Lake uh, face off. Obviously, Central Lake took that licking at the beginning of the season from Onaway, so it's going to be interesting to see how they respond, especially against a very good eight-player football team in Onekama. Yeah, yeah, Onekama is another team I saw in the scrimmages, and it also looked... Looked very good. Um, they weren't playing a gigantic team like uh, like Houghton Lake, like Glen Lake was, or anything. But uh, in, in their scrimmages, you know, they they looked efficient. They looked like they were all on the same page and knew what they were doing. Um, you know, the, the coaches weren't having to yell at them a whole lot and stuff. But uh, so yeah, I think that's probably the two best A-band teams around here. Um, you know, some other teams can can certainly buy for that as the season goes on. But as of right now, I would say that those are the top two ones, and they're playing in week two. So, I mean, that is one of the, 
got to be one of our best games. Before we go, we would like to say thank you to our Audible viewers for listening to the first edition of the Get Around After Dark, presented by Jimmy John's for the 2000 foot, 2018 football season. Make sure to join us for the Get Around on Tuesday after the weekend of football is over, and join us again next week for another edition of the Get Around After Dark.